Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Please be seated. Well, Happy New Year. That's my favorite thing to say on the first Sunday of Advent. This is the first Sunday of our new year in the Christian calendar, that day that some people celebrate on January 1st. That's the fake New Year's. This is the real one. So hopefully you partied last night. Although the new year is today, the first feast day of the new year is November 30th, which was yesterday, the feast day of St. Andrew the Apostle. And what's interesting about his day is that Andrew was the first person in the Gospels, the first person in Scripture of the Gospels, to tell someone about Jesus. As he went and found his brother Peter and told him about Jesus, it was the disciple who brought the boy with the loaves and fishes to Jesus for the feeding of the multitude. So it is very appropriate that the first feast day of the new year is really the first missionary or evangelist the apostle who is known for bringing people to Jesus. And this might say something, at least a hint, about the whole point. The objective of the Christian year, that is to bring people to Jesus. And with the start of our new year, it ushers in the season of Advent. Today is the first Sunday in Advent. Last Sunday, we celebrated Christ the King Sunday, Today, we turn the corner of the church year and wait in anticipation of his coming. Advent is a penitential season, which means it has to do with penitence. That is, showing sorrow for our sins. Like the other penitential season, Lent, the color is purple. And they both focus on forgiveness and introspection. Yet the themes, words, and focus are a bit different. Lent focuses on preparation in regard to Christ's death. Advent prepares for Christ's coming. Lent focuses on the hope of Christ's resurrection. Advent hopes for Christ's return and glory. But because they are both penitential, I encourage you to change the pattern of your life, to change your pace in some way. Take on the challenges of Advent in our culture. It's a bit difficult in our society to not focus on the joys of Christmas culture that are so surrounded on us. And that is not to say that we need to be Scrooges all about it. That's not the point either. But consider what little adjustments you might make to contemplate what the Advent themes of preparation and waiting and hope mean. I would also like to invite you to two ways I will be living Advent this year. First, On Thursday nights, we will have a prayerful, contemplative time of worship called Tizay. Tizay is a half-hour-long time of song and reflection. And, of course, we will focus on the themes of Advent. For the three Thursdays, something out of the ordinary. Come check it out. Second, I myself will be reading through the book of Isaiah in Advent. There are 66 chapters in the book So you're looking at about three chapters a day through the time of Advent. And our Sunday lectionary readings in Advent all contain readings from Isaiah. So we're going to be steeped in Isaiah. Take some time daily to read through one of the most famous prophets in the history of Israel. 
Advent is here for a reason. Discover what that reason is this year. Now, speaking of Isaiah, our first reading from the Old Testament will be our focus today. Isaiah was a prophet in the kingdom of Judah in the 8th century B.C., and was a contemporary with the prophet Micah. 150 years before Judah was overcome by the Babylonians, he prophesied of coming destruction, the promise of a Messiah, and of a future glory. The book of Isaiah is the second most quoted book in the New Testament behind Psalms, and the third most quoted book by Jesus himself. Many scholars suggest that it is really hard to understand what Jesus is doing unless we understand what the prophet Isaiah is doing. So much of what we have in the Gospels regarding Jesus have to do with the messianic prophecies about him in the book of Isaiah. So the bottom line is this. Isaiah is a pretty important book in the Bible. <laughs> Our reading today, the first five verses of chapter 2, are placed right in the middle of two larger sections which are calls for warning. Destruction is on the horizon. In chapter 1, it's prophesying, prophesying that there is calamity coming. And the rest of chapter 2 does much the same. And our reading sits in between these declarations of war and hard times. You know, Advent is also a time that is in between. Fleming Rutledge, an Episcopal priest and scholar, writes these words, it can be argued that Advent, more than any other season of the church year, is immediately relevant to our concrete lives as individuals, to the concrete life of the church under stress, and to the concrete headlines in the newspaper. The reason for that is that Advent tells us about our own lives as Christians here and now. Advent is where we live, work, play, laugh, struggle, and die. Advent is the time between, between the first coming of Christ and the second coming, between darkness and dawn, between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Advent wedges in. And I speak, Isaiah speaks to this in-between existence that we have. And so what does Isaiah say? Well, he speaks of a time, a future time, where many people, people from different nations, shall come to the mountain of the Lord. And when they come, Isaiah says, they shall say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. And then the instruction of the Lord will come. And, and Isaiah prophesies that God will judge between the nations. That means to make things right. He will arbitrate for many peoples. And these people will beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears they will beat into pruning hooks. And Isaiah says that in that day, there will be peace. No more wars. No more fighting between the day that will come full of peace. And this proclamation of peace is surrounded by prophecies of calamity. But Isaiah gives hope. There is a time for war and there is a time for peace. But in the end, in the time of fulfillment, it is a time of peace rather than war. But perhaps the most telling in-between statement that is made by Isaiah in this text is the last verse of our reading, verse 5. It's an application. Isaiah wrote, O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. 
It is a call for living. It is a call for how to live in the in-between time. It is a call to live in peace, to be peacemakers, not just with a hope for peace, but to walk out that peace in the here and now. And Jesus, of course, picked up that same mission in the Beatitudes when he declared, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall become or they shall be called sons of God. And that is our calling even today in our in-between world as we wait for the coming of the Son of Man, as we wait for Jesus' return. How can we be peacemakers? How can we be peacemakers? Well, it would seem in our age the opportunities are endless. How can we be peacemakers on social media? How can we be peacemakers in our politics? How can we be peacemakers with people who have differences of opinion? What about in our church life? Do we gossip, complain, slander, and hurt our brothers and sisters? As when he writes, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I saw a good rule of thumb on someone's shirt recently while we were at Disney World. And my wife pointed it out to me. And this shirt, it said, if you have the choice between being right and being kind, choose being kind and then you will be right. Maybe that saying won't solve all the problems in our world, but it probably would help most of the ones in our lives. <laughs> we are called to be peacemakers in this world. After all, we call it the gospel of peace the good news of peace. But as often is the case with biblical prophecy, Isaiah has another picture in mind as well. He is not just interested in our ethical peacemaking. It's not just a call to be kind to everybody that we meet. He is also interested in the one who brings peace. Prophecies like the one in Isaiah chapter two are already brought to birth in God's reality in the person of Jesus Christ. For it was Jesus who satisfied the wrath of God for the sins of the world. And it says so plainly in our prayer book in right one. Almighty God, who gave thine only son Jesus Christ to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption, who made thereby his one oblation of himself once offered a full nation and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. It is in his coming that he has brought peace and has called all the nations, both Jew and Gentile, to worship him in peace. Jesus brought peace to the earth with his life, death, and resurrection. To know Christ Jesus is to truly know peace. In Jesus is where our restless lives find peace. When we, by faith through grace, confess Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, when we confess our sins, when we admit that we can't live our lives on our own, and that we are broken, that we need help. And we discover that 
the help in the person of Jesus, who gives us the very thing we need, peace in our souls. And if that peace is foreign to us, if our souls are restless, let us turn to the Prince of Peace and yield to the wooing of the Holy Spirit. One day, one future day, Christ will return to establish peace in all the world. But that peace is also for us in the here and now. As Bishop N.T. Wright said, Isaiah's promise of universal peace must be read as our personal agenda. We must neither look helplessly at a dark and sleeping world, nor think complacently that we, the church, are all right as we are. We must wake people up to the fact that the sun is already shining and that the judge of the nations is at the door, longing to see his justice and peace enfold the world in a single embrace. You see, we are called to receive the peace of Christ and then to share that peace with the world around us. In this topsy-turvy world we live in, where the news is always stressful and confusing, where sin is pervasive and stories of death and destruction around every corner, where loneliness is rampant, Christ has promised us a peace that surpasses understanding, a peace that even though the storms of this world rage, we rest in God's faithful promise. May we be peacemakers, sharing God's peace to a world that desperately needs to hear the good news of the gospel of peace. May that be our mission this Advent, to share God's peace. May we be like that Apostle Andrew, whose feast day was yesterday, the first feast day of the new year. What is he known for? For bringing people to Jesus. Church, may we be known for bringing people to Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.